Well, hey, welcome to the House of Bliss podcast. My name is Cole Harmon. It is a gorgeous, snowy day here in the Slavic village neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. The birds are chirping, the sirens are wooing in the distance, and I am stoked to be alive. My beautiful wife is a little over halfway through her second pregnancy. Got another beautiful baby on the way. Can't wait to name him Arnold Schwarzenegger Von Muscles McJr. Yeah, can't wait to teach that guy how to spit and use a flamethrower. Although I should probably learn how to do that before he comes. And actually, I I don't know if it's a girl. Uh, because if it is, I'll have plenty of experience because uh, I'm sending my wife off to an amazing retreat this weekend for three solid days. She's going to be soaking in the glory of Jesus. She's going to be working on her goals and her destiny, getting to do some searching and listening to the voice of God. And I will be spending that time with my amazing joy bomb of a one and a half year old daughter. We're going to be, oh man, we're going to make cupcakes. We're going to eat gluten-free cauliflower crust pizza. Definitely going to be watching some Daniel Tiger. And you can bet there's going to be dancing and blocks and coloring books all over the place. If you like the sounds of my voice, if you're blessed at all by this podcast, then please consider going to our Patreon page. The link will be in the description. And go on over there, select a monthly giving tier. There's one for as little as a dollar a month, and each one unlocks greater and greater levels of rewards for you. Just be careful because, as they say, new levels, new devils. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be great. You'll love it. And if you're interested in at all in doing some sort of live event or maybe service, um, my co-host and I, Mark, would be happy to come to your church or a place of dwelling, maybe at your house or something like that, and do something live because we love podcasting, but there is something so much more fun about getting together to enjoy the presence of God in a group. Oh, it's so much fun. So yeah, if you want to do that, just head over to our House of Bliss Facebook page and send me a private message and we can work something out. It's also an exciting week because my band has a brand new song out. And once again, in the description, I will post the link to our brand new music video because I had to throw in an advertisement there, right? So uh, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this week's nugget. The title is, I hope you're ready for this, is When God Doesn't Text You Back. (laughs) And here's what I've been thinking about. You can learn a lot about yourself by how you react to silence. Like for me, when I'm in a text conversation, and let's say I really pour my heart out, I get super vulnerable with somebody, and all I get is just that dreaded little icon in the bottom right that just says, seen. And then an hour goes by, and then another hour goes by, and before I know it, there's only two possibilities. Either I went too far and they hate my guts and our friendship is over, or they've been eaten by a giant interdimensional squid monster. And there's only those two options, right? Or uh, how about this? You ever just make up an argument in your head? Like you have a minor disagreement with somebody and you're up till 3 a.m. just thinking like, oh yeah, I would say this and that and they probably are thinking this and that. And then then you actually talk to the person and you realize, oh no, it's it's all in your head. Like they, everything's fine with them. Yeah, I hate that. But there's nothing worse than when somebody 
text you and they don't use emojis, right? Like, I don't know if it's just me, but I always end up reading something in the most severe tone of voice. Even if they're like a sweet little lamb of a person, there's just something about not having any face-to-face interaction that leaves too much room uh, for my imagination to run wild with what could be going wrong. And I'd like to argue that that is perhaps the problem with humanity uh, throughout throughout the history of the Bible. I'm going to flip over to uh, Romans chapter 1 here. Yeah, let me drop this little cheerful nugget on you today. It says uh, in Romans 1 chapter 20, or I'm sorry, verse <laughs> chapter 1 verse 21 says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, I don't think that God is ever truly silent, but I do think that lots of things in our lives get in the way and cause us to find it hard to actually hear his voice or what he might be speaking. And it's in those times of silence that we should definitely pay attention to what's happening in our hearts. Like if you don't feel the presence of God for a while, or if you don't hear his voice, do you immediately revert to, what did I do? Is your first question, did I do something wrong? Uh, Is God trying to teach me a lesson here? Like, what's going on? And I find more often than not that that's the default that I head back to. Yeah. And this is the problem. This is what shame does. This is what the human heart does when we perceive that we're not good enough for God or that we think he's separate. In Genesis, when uh, God creates Adam and Eve, it says he walked with them in the cool of the day. They had an amazing relationship with this God who is love, who loves to create, and and he wanted fellowship with the things that he made. But when shame was introduced into their hearts because they had sinned for the very first time, they took off and hid from God. They ran away. And I don't think there's really any reason to think that they logically should have feared, but it's something about what was going on on the inside. They began to see God not as this love being that they walked with in the cool of the day, but somebody that needs to be hidden from. They were ashamed of who they were. They felt this sense of lack, like they weren't good enough. And it's just like Romans said, shame darkens our understanding and it causes us to make foolish speculations. Did you ever see the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. There is this hilariously traumatizing scene that I saw as a kid where <laughs> where uh, this guy just like, he's, you know, all decked out in war paint and he's like this, you know, religious figure and they're in this crazy like firelit temple and he rips this guy's heart out while he's still alive. Yeah, well, that is exactly what was going on in the ancient world all the time. Humanity had this deep, deep, deep sense that whatever sort of divine being or beings is out there is mad at us, and we have to do something to make that right. We need to appease it. So it always ended up elevating to this element of human 
sacrifice, that somebody needs to die to get these gods back on our side so that it will rain or so that it will be fertile or whatever. And so when God is setting apart the nation of Israel for himself, he is trying to move them away from this revelation. You actually see this all throughout the Old Testament, that God actually had to tell them not to sacrifice humans. Like every time you know, there was a problem. They would revert back to actually wanting to sacrifice their children. Now, what in the world is going on with somebody if they feel like what they want to do is sacrifice their children? But you have to realize that's how normal this assumption was in their day. So here's a funny example. When God shows up to Moses and he says, I want you to deliver my people out of slavery, Moses goes to Pharaoh. It doesn't go well the first time. And so Moses says, well, at least let us go out to the wilderness to make sacrifices for a few days or our God will kill us. Now, hold on. God never said anything like that at all. But it's just funny that when Moses is confronted by God, he must be thinking the whole time that God is just like all those other gods needing appeasement. So he just throws this thing out there. He, I, I wonder if they really believed that they thought God was out to kill them when really he was just out to rescue them. Right. Or how about when they're out of slavery, they're in the wilderness, and Moses goes up on the mountain, he's gone for all of, what, five minutes, and they've already gone back to, they've made a golden calf, and they're doing all these crazy, like, you know, orgies or whatever, right? It's, It's a mess. It's a mess, because something about the human heart has this sickness of shame that says, we are not good enough for God, and we've got to appease him, right? So religion sees that weakness in our heart and always is standing at the door ready to exploit it with a new system, a new thing. It it says here, do this to make God happy with you. Now you might be thinking, well, I would never uh, do what they did or sacrifice a child or something like that. Yeah, maybe not. But maybe you would think to yourself, okay, I'm not doing a good enough job. I need to get my prayer life in order. I need to fast harder. I need to do this. I need to serve the poor more. I need to, I got to get back on that treadmill to try to get God back on my side. Because when we perceive silence, our shame causes our imagination to run wild with foolish speculations. And this is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus shed blood. And let me flip over to Hebrews chapter one here. It says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions, in many ways, and these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. So Jesus his not just his teachings but his entire life and ministry is a message from God itself that Jesus came to speak the final authoritative word on what God is like in his relationship to us as humans it says he is the exact representation of his nature okay and it says when he made purifications for sin he sat down at the right hand of God of the majesty on high. Now, people take that and they 
see the sacrifices in the Old Testament, and they assume that God is like all the other gods, uh, that he needs appeasement. So Jesus simply becomes the ultimate appeasement to get God off our back. But I would like to propose something different. What people often don't realize is that uh, God says several times throughout the Old Testament that he's just not that into the sacrifice thing. Yeah, he set it up, uh, but he was never really into it. It was never really pleasing to him. It was simply a way of accommodating and dealing with these guilt-ridden people who were so used to sacrificing their children. He's basically saying, okay, look, if you're going to do it, at least do it this way. And he set up this beautiful picture of the temple that would point to a future reality that we're living in now. So what was it all about? I'd say this. The blood of Jesus was not to change God's mind about us. Rather, we're the ones suffering from this internal sickness of shame. The blood of Jesus was to change our mind about God. In Genesis, when Cain killed Abel, God says, I can hear your brother's blood crying out to me from the ground. It's crying for vengeance. But it says in Hebrews again that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. See, the blood of Abel is crying vengeance. It's crying for more violence. But the blood of Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The system of sacrifice is helpful in that every time that guilt is transferred to one of the sacrifices, you get to see this horrible, bloody picture of just what sin does. You see what happens to a life when sin takes its course. But on the cross with Jesus, you see not only what sin does to us, but you see that even at our ugliest, even at our worst, even when we are spitting out our most vile gunk, that is exactly the moment when God's arms are the widest open towards us. It was humanity's worst act of killing God that he used to be the very act to welcome us into his family forever and ever. When it says Jesus is interceding at the right hand of God, it is not that God is constantly waiting for us to do something wrong so he can be mad at us again. No, it's that we need that reminder, a permanent mediator, a permanent reminder that we that God is a-okay with us, that he has dealt with anything that could possibly come up against us. He's the ultimate scapegoat. Like, we all have that sense now. It's like, how many times do you get on Facebook and it's somebody else's fault, the, the mess that we find ourselves in? It's always the Republicans' fault, or it's always the, the liberals' fault, or it's always the boomers, or the millennials, or the Gen Zs and their selfies. It's always that. No, it's like this need to try to push it off onto somebody else. Jesus is saying no more of that. If anybody is going to be spilling blood, it's me. He's saying, I would rather die than not have you with me. Yeah. So that's what the blood of Jesus is for. It says in Hebrews that we can approach the throne of God boldly. Why? Because God is satiated? No, because our own conscience has been sprinkled by his blood. So if you find yourself in a moment of time where you're having difficulty hearing the voice of God, 
rather than let those thoughts run wild that I've done something wrong, I'm not acceptable to him, oh no, I need to get myself back in order, no, 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 you need to put that thing to death and look at the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word over you that you are always welcome boldly before his throne. You are always included in his family. You are his forever and ever, and nothing you do can shake that. So soak your guilt in his blood and let it die. Let it wash away. I was watching uh, on YouTube, this guy did this brilliant uh, social experiment where he bought a bunch of Payless shoes, and then he went to LA and in he threw basically a fashion show where he invited all these big wig fashion critics and he, he he took the price tags off these Payless shoes and he put them on pedestals, had the lighting just right and put ginormous price tags on them. It was hilarious to see how these expert trained fashion people were picking up these like $8 shoes and going, oh my gosh, the attention to detail is just fabulous. And there were people <laughs> walking out with like shopping bags full, just saying how they had dropped like $30,000 on these cheap sneakers. It's like, look, we are not so good at appraising things. We're not so good at finding what something is worth because we look at the outside. But God knows what he's doing. And if he says that you are worth his blood, then who the heck are you to argue with that? So just rest in the security of that today. Yeah, just take communion maybe today and just let that thought that he did this to satiate your guilt, that he doesn't want you to, he doesn't have any suspicion towards you. He's not eyeballing you, seeing if you'll measure up. He knows that you're not capable of doing that by yourself, right? And the last thing I want to leave you with, something I say every week, but I'm going to say it again, is that if you are in Christ, seated in heavenly places, and Christ is in you, then God is closer to you right now than you are to your own self. (laughs) Yeah, it should be easier to hear his voice than it is to hear mine right now through your own ears. God is in you. He is with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So if your head is just filled with other voices, if it's filled with busyness, if Instead of thinking that you did something wrong, just take some time, decompress, just be with Jesus, focus on his love for you, not what you need to do for him. And I guarantee that you will start to hear that still small voice in your inner spirit reminding you that you are loved. Yeah. Yeah. And for all the talk we have in church culture about pressing into God, just remember that in Jesus, we see that God pressed into us so hard that he was sweating blood. (laughs) You don't need to press into God. You need to let him press into you. Yeah. And so this is my favorite prayer. This is what I just encourage you to do. Just sit back and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you've done it all. Thank you that you have done everything needed to get rid of this mind condition called shame and set it aside and just say thank you because that's all he's looking for is for you to receive his gift of love with no strings attached yeah i pray that you catch that this week in jesus name